from California. It is uh, nine o'clock here. I am Francis Savinien, the founder and CEO of Epar Trade, and I am with uh, Judy Keen, the co-founder. Uh, Judy, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Okay, excellent. So we have a great group uh, today, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, racing transmission and converters. Um, we're going to be uh, uh, welcoming our host, Jeff Hammond. Oh, good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good morning. Okay, welcome back, Jeff. How's everything with you? Ah, ah well... Little uh, technical issue with uh, uh, maybe the internet with uh, Jeff. So while we wait for Jeff, Judy, uh, we had a pretty busy week, right? Yeah, we were actually had a great week. We had so many new suppliers jump on board. Ones you've heard of, Chassis Engineering, Pakello Lubricants, and some you've never heard of, a company called Shop Monkey and Maglock. So um, it's just really special to see so many brand new racing suppliers from uh, all over the place. Very good. And Hi. as we talking, I see Greg popping up and Troy and Todd. So good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for uh, joining us today. We're going to, oh, we lost Jeff Hammond. So we'll wait for Jeff to come back. But uh, good morning, uh, Greg. How's everything with you? Good morning. Uh, th things are well, thank you. Okay, so we'll, uh, sorry if we just uh, uh, lost Jeff Hammond. So uh, what we had uh, uh, back in July, uh, Greg was part of this uh, technical uh, webinar series with our good friend, uh, uh, Paul Lee and Jimo. And we're talking, uh, uh, you know, about uh, products and, and technology in drag racing with McLeod and FTI. And today the focus will be uh, on FTI Performance, a great company that's been in business for many, many years. Uh, Greg, thank you for your support. You know, you know, good friend of Judy. You know, you guys have worked together for a very long time, right? That's right. So I am getting a note from a producer that has never happened before. <laughs> we lost our host. So, uh, so why don't we uh, uh, give me one second? I'm going to check with our producer to make sure he can get in touch with Jeff. Jeff was on earlier on, so uh, so hopefully uh, we'll get this resolved and get it started. But uh, while we while we wait for Jeff, uh, Greg, do you want to tell us maybe a little? you know, backstory of uh, FTI and how everything started and who you are going to be uh, uh, talking with today, our special guest? Sure, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll start here. First of all, guys, Todd, Troy, uh, Judy, and, and yourself, thank you for having us and thank you for coming on and supporting us. Uh, you know, a little history with FTI. FTI was a, started out as a family-owned uh, transmission uh, business. I was in the regular street driving car Transmission business started that at a very young age. In fact, that's the only thing I've really, really ever done. Don't ask me to build a house; it won't come out very good. Uh, been building transmissions my whole life. We expanded into manufacturing our own parts due to the inability to get a quality part. And uh, Troy and I—we've been friends forever, racing. And then the phone call was out to him: "Hey, man, let me build something for your race car." He's, "I don't know, I got pretty good stuff." And you know, well, send me the best stuff you got. Let me see if I can make it better. And then. You know, one thing led to another, and uh, we had an opportunity to uh, uh, step step away from the automatic everyday driving down the road transmission and and focus my efforts into the racing industry. And I tell you, it's uh, I've had a great time with it, and I've surrounded myself with some really good people, and and we've had a ball. We've we've come up with many products that have performed well, as many as we have that that, that aren't worth throwing in a trash can. But that's that's called re, uh, research and development, and that's what we do. Uh, I enjoy that. That's what I ultimately I enjoy the most is research and development. Uh, our latest latest things we've done, we've joined forces with Paul Lee yep. and the uh, McLeod. Uh, so that's diversified us uh, as a company as a whole. Uh, it's it's made us stronger, power in numbers, uh, giving me more opportunity so that I can spend more time developing more product. Uh, he had certain things he could bring to the table, certain things I could bring to the table. And, and when you join like that, uh, you can really make a, a great company. Not that either one wasn't a great company in the first place. It's just an even better company now. So uh, Troy, he, he's, he's, we've been able to get him out on the road, almost full-time racing. And, and then we got, we got Todd. He does a lot of the testing on the big, big power stuff. In fact, we got a, a new project we're working on right now that we're not, 
quite ready to disclose, but it should be pretty interesting. And we can pull this one off. I see a little smirk on his face. I'm sure he agrees. <laughs> Hold off. It'll be pretty cool. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's a family-owned business. It's grown all the way to where it is today. And I, I like to think we are probably the premier leader in the performance automatic uh, transmission business and door converters for sure. Excellent. Well, I'm getting a word from uh, our producer that uh, we should get Jeff back on very quickly. So, uh, so we'll keep going. So, uh, Todd, do you want to tell us a little bit uh, your relationship with FTI and you know the long story you guys have together? Yes, uh, I met Greg. I don't know two years two years ago at PRI and talked to him about some uh, NHRA stuff mm -hmm. and and try to work something better, you know, and you just, you kind of research and development. And, and like you said, I just tried to uh, look for the next best thing. Well, I met Greg, we hit it off right off the bat. He had good ideas. He understood my ideas and we worked together and uh, using his product has really changed my uh, performance here. So very, very good, very good relationship. Excellent, well, thank you. What about, what about you, Troy? Well, like Greg said, you know, we had been friends forever uh, since the beginning, you know, middle 90s, probably. And whenever he started this business, he was building stuff for my race cars. And uh, as the business grew, I actually come over to just help out with a few other things and ended up talking to some racers on the phone and started working there. And then basically kind of took the show on the road, you know, started promoting the business everywhere, all around the country where I went racing, all the bracket stuff and the grassroots style racing that I did. And it really just the business kind of caught fire, you know, and it it is what it is today. Well, you had a pretty good season last season, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, pretty. Ended up second in the world of super comp, won the U.S. national, so that was pretty good. And did uh did pretty well bracket racing, you know, won a hundred thousand dollar race at uh, the Spring Fling event. But yeah, it's a it's a really good season. Excellent. So do you work as well on the development of the products, uh, um, you know, from the track back to the shop, and you know, back and forth? I provide a lot of feedback. I wouldn't say I work on the development. That's Greg's job. I pretty much, I deal with the customers and promotion of the product, uh, trying to find the best avenue to get it into people's hands and make sure everybody's happy. He works in development. He tells me when it's good or if it's junk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't really tell him what to change. I tell him if it's good or bad. <laughs> this was no good. Throw it away, boss. Start over. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. But th thank you. And again, sorry, I'm not a host. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I do have a question, if you yes. don't mind. So I know we have a drag racing crowd here today, but I was reading your website, Greg, and you're in mud racing, diesel drag. Um, what other forms of racing? You know, I, all three of us on here will probably tell you if, if there was a way to race it, we probably would, whether it be a, I know we've been our golf cart races. We, I would race a cockroach across the office floor if I can get him to go to the other end down there, you know, without breaking out. So yeah. uh, we try to really diversify the company. We do a lot in the monster truck world. We do it in the mega truck world. We do it in the mud race world. You know, a lot of people in the 160, 200 foot NMRO, NMRA. Um, we've actually entertained maybe even doing some stuff for the performance marine market. Uh, we're looking at that right now with some of our gearboxes that we make. Uh, we're looking to make some water-cooled gearboxes to we can reposition the engines in the boats to make them faster and change the ratio of the prop shaft. Um, then you have, uh, the, uh, well, obviously drag racing. We actually do some circle track stuff. The difference between the circle track stuff and the drag racers is a drag racer will run around the racetrack beating his chest, telling everybody where he got it. Man, this thing's fast. It's awesome. It's great. Circle tracker gets something that's fast. He peels all the stickers off, throws away the box, and don't tell nobody. Yep, <laughs> so yep. the circle track stuff doesn't grow kind of like the the uh, the drag race market. Uh, almost our primary focus is is acceleration, whether it be a, a car, a truck, a boat, a plane, whatever. We can help accelerate. That's that's really what we're after. And FTI's original name stood for Force Technologies Incorporated, and that's where it was. It was about the ability to move the momentum of weight that was my my long-term thought process of what we were doing is how do we how do we accelerate it uh, uh, that that's the whole name of the game huh. Interesting. and and in terms of development how, how closely do you guys work with McLeod 
Is this, you know, do product development together? Or we all do your own separate things. They have their own team uh, that they that they develop their stuff with. And, and of course, we do our development here. Um, we do some purchasing together. Uh, we do quite a few things together. But as far as product development, it's really two different worlds. You know, I'm so focused on what that I do here. that They have their team over there focused on what they do over there. Oh, so okay. I they, think we got Jeff Hammond back. <laughs> Good. Excellent. <laughs> Woo! Gentlemen, well, I apologize. That's technology, brother. Technology. Morning, and I think I, I think I blew an engine. Uh, happens, you know. Yeah. But uh, okay, so now we're going to leave you in Jeff's hand. Thank you Better very hands. much. Better so, hands. Better hands for sure. We'll uh, we'll see you soon. Okay. Talk to you guys. Oh. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for, for taking over for me. Good morning, Greg. Good to finally get a chance to see you in person. And yes, uh, Mr. Tudoro. Mr. Yes, Troy, hope y'all are doing well this morning. Doing excellent. Yes, sir. Good. Yeah, again, I apologize. I mean, like I said, I said good morning, and my screen froze. And it's like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And I'm not very tech savvy. I think we got a seminar coming up on that here in a couple of weeks, and I think I'm going to need to attend it um, about how to handle stuff like this. But uh, I do appreciate your patience and everything. And, guys, I'm truly excited to get an opportunity to discuss – what I consider, I, I, I guess it would be considered what's going on in the present world of monster trucks, drag racers, street rods, and do I dare ask the question, could we wind up seeing your type product eventually in NASCAR racing? I, I don't expect to see anything automatic driven in a NASCAR, to uh, mm -hmm. be honest with you. Um, we were just talking about round track. Round tracks, we do. There's certain classes in the short tracks, grassroots style round track racing. We make some right. for that, but uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's going to be ever allowed in a in an NASCAR situation. You know, the McLeod product line, 100. I believe, in fact, it's used a lot in, in NASCAR already. But uh, with the we we mainly focus on automatic transmissions, and I don't think you're going to see those in a round track application. Well, we've had so many big changes. I maybe I was hoping maybe we'd find out something that uh, I didn't know that maybe was you know kind of happening in your world that would make uh, make a dent here in the near future. Because also, you know, what I'm trying to say right now, it seems like the there's a blank sheet of paper for the first time in the history of NASCAR that is allowing us to do a lot of things that we never did before, especially starting in 2021. So I appreciate you kind of straightening me out on that, but. Let's get down to the, to the bread and butter of what goes on in your world. And uh, tell me right now, because it seems like you guys are shipping out transmissions and, and they're winding up. And, and it, like I say, in every other facet across the country and probably around the world. Yes, sir. We, and we do distribute around the world. We have we have distributors in 22 different countries. So uh, torque converters being our primary line. Yes, we do transmissions. They're kind of a necessary evil. We don't do a, a large variety of transmissions, but the ones we do, we offer a large uh, variety in that particular product line, whether it be power glides, turbo 400, 700 R4s. Um, we, we try to stay focused in that to make sure that we get those perfect. Uh, that's our core market. And then with transmissions, but torque converters really are specialties. That's, that's where you have so much room to grow. Uh, we have some transmission designs that, that we things I've designed and tested that have become commonplace in the racing industry. Um, but converters is where we really shine. And, and Todd even sells, a, he, he makes and manufactures a transmission as well. All right, since you, you know, brought kind of Todd in, in this conversation, Todd, first and foremost, congratulations on, on last year. I mean, uh, sound like you had a, had a really awesome 2020 and I'm sure that uh, you're expecting to go back and uh, repeat for sure. So. Tell us how these transmissions, FDI, FDI how, how they have impacted your race organization. Well, I, I basically use this torque converter. Uh, I don't use this transmission. I do my own drive unit, which is, and we use a, a manual style transmission and behind that. Mm -hmm. But as uh, far as his uh, torque converters and stuff, I mean, it's really changed our racing because uh, the precision and everything we get from FTI is really amazing. When I first started dealing with Greg, <clears throat> he was having make little bit of adjustments with the converter. And I was like, this not gonna make any difference, you know, from, from my other experience with other converters. And um, 
soon as I made the little adjustments and then, and you could see the big difference in the, from his unit compared to anybody else's stuff. So Greg, what's my, what makes your unit so special? Again, I, I've tried to do some research and understand, you know, what, what FTI brings to the table for other people, but, but you seem like you know, you're the guru when it comes to working on these things. I mean, you you got the magic, you got the magic fingers, the magic ideas, or whatever. Uh, I do remember seeing a uh, a clip of you talking about FTI products, and you said, "Man, I had to be good at something because I couldn't be a model." That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, so. Ultimately, what makes FTI products good is our customer service. Uh, that's what we try to pride ourselves in. There's a lot of good products out there on the market today. A lot of people put forth a lot of effort, and, and we like to pride ourselves in the customer service. Now, as far as the performance of our product, I approach how I design and build my products a little differently than most people. Some things are kind of a, a mark, a, a secret that we don't really let out of what we do. Uh, but it's it's about doing things like like uh, Todd had even said do precision like he's have even helped me develop you know hey if we change this we can make a better part and when you get a team of people that work together and not and, and it's not just the three of them on the screen you know we have a we have a, a shop team of about fifteen cars that we test and we get data and we get feedback from right down to even a, a bolt I mean not even really anything to do with the performance of the converter or a, or a pilot I mean Todd certainly helped me with my pilot program there you know it's a uh, that's how you make a better product. There's power in numbers. Uh, we design, we think outside the box. I'm very forward thinking. I'm not afraid to try things. Uh, we, we as a whole, everybody that I'm involved with is a winner. They want to win. They're going to try to win. They're not just going to be happy sitting on their feet, uh, on their hands doing nothing. So that drives me. When a guy calls up and says, hey, I need a converter to do this. I go, I ain't no way I can do that. About an hour later, I call him back and say, hey, I figured it out. Let's try this. If not, it'll be close. You know, and, and, and that's what starts building uh, your building blocks, just like a pyramid. Start at the bottom, build it all the way to the top. You, you, once you get a building block underneath you, then you take use that stepping stone to get to the next one. And you're going to keep coming up, continually coming up with better and better, better product. Well, when you're talking about that, Troy, how does it affect your part of, of working there at FTI? I know that, you know, you're doing the sales and the marketing and everything like that. <clears throat> So, you know, I guess you're kind of like, are you, are you the front line of FTI and, and does it, you know, you kind of screen the calls going to, to Greg? Cause again, it seems like he'd be on the phone 24 seven talking to every competitor and, and distributor in the, in the world. Yeah. So uh, we've screened the calls going to him for sure, but yeah, I'm, I'm more the one out in the field and then doing the sales and marketing of it. But as far as how, how easy it makes it to have people behind you that truly care about the product and have a product that you truly use and believe in, it's immeasurable. I mean, I, I really wouldn't want to do any sort of sales or marketing or even help promote a product that I didn't believe in a hundred percent. And, and that's the thing about uh, everything we produce, everything you know, Greg has his hand on at the shop is it's, it's a hundred percent the best we can do it. And more than anything, whenever we started out, it was, you know, yes is the answer now, now what's the question? And making sure the customer had what they needed when they needed, was able to get to the track because as much as people don't like to admit it, racing's a drug, you know, and people have got to have their fix. If they can't get their parts to go to the track, it's a real issue. You know, it's a, it's an emotional deal. It's not like if you're, your heater elements out in your dryer and you don't get it tomorrow's going to be okay you're still going to be able to wash laundry um now it's uh you've got to have your parts to go racing and that's what we've always made sure that it happened no matter what i mean if we had to if we had to drive it you know halfway across the state to meet them or ship it next day air greg stay there till midnight making it that's what happened with that being said todd can you give us a little bit of insight what it's like to work with greg and fti because Again, you know, you've been a competitor. You've heard what Troy said, how important it is. Share your experiences and what it's like to, to deal with this company from the competition side. This is like we said before, or I said before, working with Greg's been very good. And, and the, um, the deal with, uh, like he said, bumping stuff off each other. It worked out good for us because, you know, I had a little idea, he had a little idea, and all, and all worked out. And, and, and there again, the far as the shipping and stuff or anything that had anything to do with uh, uh, freight next day air and like you said it, they, they just comes 
you know, step up and, and do the right thing. And if you get it there and like you said, a drug, whatever it is, next day, I don't care how much it costs to get it there. If it costs more than the part itself, we got to have it. So, but uh, just working with them has, you know, been, been excellent. I can't say more about them. So Greg, when you, when you got into this, I mean, I, I want to know personally, I know, I know how a lot of times racing and we talk about the drug side of it, but why torque converters? I mean, what, what made you decide this is going to be my baby? This is going to be what I know how to do. And, and it just, it keeps drawing you back and keeps you, you know, motivated because, you know, a lot of times people, they can get in and they can do something almost like candy. You can eat candy to a certain point, then you get kind of sick of it. So how, you, you make it sound like, you know, you wake up every morning fresh and ready to, fix the next problem that comes down the pike, but talk, talk to me about torque converters. How, how, what's the, what's the big adrenaline or addiction? 70% of the mornings I wake up ready to get down the pipe. I can tell you that the age is starting to catch up with me a little bit, but um, you know how, I guess you're trying to say, how did I get to the torque converter into the game? When mm -hmm. I was 14, I took up my first transmission because it didn't shift and I was going to fix this thing. Well, at age 15, I went to the junkyard and bought a cutout and put in it because it never shifted again. That's kind of what started the, the transmission side of it, the intriguement of how does this thing work? You know, I took mm -hmm. apart every toy I had. I take apart every toy I get today. So, uh, and, and being in a regular converter business or in a regular transmission business, we were purchasing torque converters to drive up down the road. We started having issues, problems, quality issues. So I said, you know, well, let's, you know, let's cut one of these things open and, and, and find out why. So we cut them open. I said, well, shoot, I, I can see, I can fix this. This is why this is breaking. And next thing you know, we, we had machines and equipment and so forth. And we're cutting open converters and building our own converters. And then I said, well, man, if we could just take this converter and make it do this, if I could make it do that, well, then I can sell this to a race car guy. And I was already being a racer. So next thing you know, we bought CNC machines and, you know, there's no books out there. There's a few pages that says this torque converter uh, has this stall torque ratio that's been published and most of those are really incorrect anyhow uh, and been proven incorrect but there's really no book on how how to make a converter multiply more or less torque how to make a couple different or whatever it's strictly a trial and error deal until you build a database uh, on fin angle uh, interior exterior how well the converter seals up turbo meters we can go into this for hours talking about how the converter works for only three three pieces basically they're infinitely tunable and changeable. And, and like Todd had mentioned, I told him to move this thing at my new amount. And he's like, I don't think that's going to do much. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it will. But it's only because how my converter is designed versus somebody else. I'm not saying somebody else has a bad design. By no means. Right. It just happens to be how I've got mine designed. And through trial and error, I have figured out ways to make it do that. It's no different than telling your kid to empty the trash. You figure out a way to make him empty the trash. <laughs> Not you don't, you know, you don't get to eat or whatever you do to your kid, but it's the same thing. You figure out a way to maneuver it. Once you get intrigued by that, no different than than Todd trying to go down the racetrack every time. I know he wants that car to go A to B every time. No different than Troy. Troy is going to get to his number. He is going to try to be low double O and get and he will, he will run his number. That that's what those guys are intrigued by, and that's what they do. But having those guys behind me helped me to come up with something even better. Lester Johnson, another uh, instrumental person to help. Bruce Thrift. I can name off a whole pile of people that really helped me with this because I've been able to say, hey, I got something I really want to try. And it may be garbage. And a lot of stuff I do try is garbage. But you take and learn from that is how to make something better. Uh, stator design, stuff that I've made is just, I, I got them piled all over my desk right here, actually. Uh, some of them are great. Some of them will hang on the wall is just, it just, well, that's a pretty neat picture. It ain't worth nothing else. You know, with that being said, Troy, what is the process? Say I, I call you up and I've got a street rod and I've got 750 horsepower and I want to do this. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with the, you know, with the way it shifts right now. And, and can I, can I add more horsepower to it? You, you know, what is, what is the, the proper way to call your company up and request what I need and order. Well, you can do exactly as you mentioned, just call in. And then there's uh there's several people there to answer the phone. We have about five salesmen right now, mm -hmm. but uh, they'll go over a complete bill sheet with you, get your entire combination, everything you're trying to do with the vehicle. Um, 
a lot of the fitment for a torque converter on a street rod is really going to be touchy feely as opposed to a race car. Race car is going to be, you know, we have, we have all these numbers. We want to make it perform to the best of its ability. And it's going to be kind of a cut and dry. This, this is what's going to work the best. Well, with a, a street rod kind of thing. Well, I mean, is it a street rodder like us that wants to fry a tire and go as fast as you can around the corner to the drive in? <clears throat> or is it someone that's taking their wife to the movies and out on a dinner date, you know, mm-hmm. um, one will be a lot calmer than the other one to drive around a lot more streetable per se. Um, there's also a bill sheet online. You could go online and submit the bill sheet and someone will give you a call back and give you a complete recommendation or email you a recommendation back. Okay. So let's, uh, let's break it down a little bit further. Then we're talking about street rods. We're talking about drag racing. We're talking about monster. Let's talk a little bit about what it takes to have the different transmissions and parts and pieces. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking almost like with a monster, a monster truck. Are we talking about a, a transmission that looks normal? Or are we talking about a transmission and a converter that's multiple size, you know, bigger and every, you know, what, what's the differences here when you run in these kind of applications? I've seen some of the gears and the, uh, the rear ends these guys have to build to withstand what they're doing. Do you have to have a special transmission converter for that application? Yeah, let, let me answer this question. It's going to be a little bit of a twofold answer. I, 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 there's really more than one answer to your question here. Okay. So let's go back to the very beginning where you're talking about the differences of even just torque converters between your street rod and your race car, just so people understand. I can build two torque converters. Let's say you want 5,000 stall. Let's, let's use a, a, a realistic number for a street person of 3,000 stall, right? So I can build you two torque converters that, that stall 3,000 RPM if you hold the input shaft still on floor of the throttle. One of them will have a higher stall torque ratio than the other. And you're saying, well, what is stall torque ratio? Let me educate you about that. That's the amount of torque produced at stall. And you're saying, what do you mean? Well, these are torque converters, not horsepower converters. So we actually multiply the torque put into the shell and, and apply that to the input shaft. So for every action, there is a reaction. The higher the torque multiplication, the less efficient the converter becomes, okay? But it puts, it'll also multiply torque for a lesser length of time. The lower the torque multiplication, the longer length of time it multiplies torque, okay? But the more efficient the converter becomes. This is where guys like the two people positioned here have really helped me because we want to try to get that torque multiplication to a point that we want to put as much power as we can to the tire to make the car 60 foot. It's the only number you can multiply. But yet we want to be able to get the coupling phase out of this converter at the end of the racetrack like a low stall torque ratio converter. You're saying, okay, where's that answer my question? Let's go back to your two, 3,000 RPM converters. If you got a guy who's got a big old camshaft in his car and he wants to drive it to the stake and shake and have a good time, idle, good in gear, you know, and have good drivability, you're going to bring his stall torque ratio back. Run it in the 180s, 190s, so that mm-hmm. the thing takes off good from a traffic light. It doesn't sound like a race car leaving, but yet if you floor the throttle, it allows the engine to get into the operating range of the camshaft and make the power. But if you got a guy who wants something a little more violent, it's going to try to pick the wheels up off the ground. It's going to obviously drive more like a race car. You raise that stall torque ratio, get it up 235, 240, even 250. Then now the converter is going to have what's called a loose feeling, so to speak. That's the one that sounds like a race car leaves leaves a traffic light. So now you've built two different converters that do two different animals. This goes back to the database and the trial and error that we've done for over 20 years to figure this out. And we've carried this all the way into the race world as well. Uh, Root style blown engines, screw style blown engines, nitrous, procharger, turbo, all these take, let's say every one of them wants a 6,800 stall converter. Every one of them is totally different converter though, depending on the power at or even if it's a naturally aspirated engine. They, they, we can make all these converters stall 6,800, but they're all gonna be a totally different design to fit the application. Now to the second half of your question there about what's the monster trucks and the gears and the transmission differences of what they look like. Typically the outside of the transmission is gonna appear the same. You know, whether it be a power glide or a 400. We were the first company to bring a mud power glide to the industry, a mud specific power glide. We've catered a lot to the mud racers due to our location. I got a lot of friends at mud race, a lot of guys who were drag racers, pulled their motor out of race cars, wanted to go mud racing. So we went after the, the ability to build a mud specific transmission. Then we joined forces. We did a lot of testing uh, with uh, people like Dennis Anderson, uh, Matt Pagalero, uh, 
J.R. McNeil, a lot of monster truck guys, and we developed a monster truck transmission. In fact, we have our very own uh, Roy Pridgen works right here with us. I don't know if we lost everybody, but I'll keep talking. Uh, he drives a monster truck. So we designed a monster truck transmission as well uh, for, the, for the people. The outside appearance is the same. What's on the inside may be a little different. Maybe how we're controlling the pressure, the amount of clutches, the we're, we're doing cryogenics on planetaries, rim polishing, stuff like that, uh, stabilizers inside the unit. We've made drums that you couldn't explode and reverse for the monster truck guys doing the reverse stuff. Um, you know, and then of course we have the gearboxes that we make that go behind it. Now, obviously you don't see those in the drag race world, but you'll see those in the monster truck world. We make them all the way from a, a 10 inch straight through quick change for your guy that's running 160 foot fast track all the way to a 24 inch box for a guy who's building a platform buggy with a 632 that's 14 feet tall on, on 78 inch rising kings. So we try to connect everything from the drive shaft to the engine for every bit of that market. I'd like to tell you I can hear you, but I don't, I don't think any of us can. Yeah, I think, and what I was going to say was, sorry about that, I'm still having some technical difficulties and I apologize. Number one, if you're watching our show, uh, this list of this group of panelists right here, please shoot us some questions over. And again, we'd like to be able to share with these guys and pick their brain while we can. And Eric Brown, he, uh, he wanted to know for performance automatic transmissions, what type of fluid do you guys recommend? And then when you go and put it in, what kind of service interval do we need to be having? I know that it's going to change from each application probably, but uh, can you give them some insight? But mo most certainly I, I can. Uh, very, very talked about subject in the entire industry. You know, uh, we went to great lengths to design fluid for bracket racing use. Uh, that did some things that other fluids didn't do. We carry Redline performance products. We carry Daytona One products. Uh, and I'm sure Todd will tell you there's other fluids that do different things. It, it's just like torque converters and, and different stall torque ratios. There's many correct fluids to use. But understand that the most important thing I could tell anybody who's asking questions about fluid. People, if you have a heavy car and you're 3,000 pounds and you got 2,000 horsepower, do not go to Walmart and buy cheap fluid. You will micro-weld the gears and the planetaries and so forth. You will have problems. Make sure you use an upper-end fluid. You have to. It has to have pressure additives, anti-foaming agents. You know, if you're a, a 600 horsepower car is driving down to the, to the stake and shake, guys, we can run Dextron 3 in this thing, no problem. You know, so just understand is you save a little money to put it in there in fluid and use a quality name brand fluid, you know, whether it be FTI brand or, or even Redline performance products. So Todd, you got any feeling about that? You know, what you would recommend? You got any sponsors there that you, you know, have had success with? Yes, I use uh, Extreme Racing Oil. Uh, I run Redline before. Like you said, biggest thing is is a good, high quality fluid. You don't want it foaming or, and you know, like you're saying, the micro welding and everything. There, you just got to have a good quality material. And um, as far as servicing that stuff, it just depends on the application there too. I mean, depends on how hot you get it. And the turbo application gets a lot hotter. Um, and just depends on the efficiency or how you're running the converter. So. Uh, like I said, a good high quality transmission fluid, the right weight for your applications, biggest thing. All right, we've uh, we asked for some questions and now we're starting to get some guys. So uh, we got one here from um, one of the gentlemen who are asking that they are working with a, a company right now and they kind of like Art is his name and they design power shift transmissions, you know, 300 to 3000 horsepower, you know, horsepower and the thing is you know whether it's marine application industrial application he's pretty familiar with it but his question really is directed at what about springless power glide is getting pretty uh, crazy and and hot and breaking you know in breaking in camshafts where can we find out more information about springless torque converters greg springless torque converters That's what he says uh, I, i'm not sure i know what he's talking about Tom? okay Spragless. Spragless, yeah. Spragless, maybe. A spragless torque converter, spragless transmission. That's probably what it is. Okay, that's I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> I was reading too fast. I saw a sprag. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, there's a, there's mountains of information all over the web about uh, different person's uh, uh, take on sprag versus spragless. We've done immense testing both ways, and there's a, 
there's applications that, that want them one way and the application wants them another. I build converters spragless. I build converters uh, with sprags. And, and understand a sprag is a generic term. We typically use nothing but mechanical diodes. They are the strongest type of one-way device there is. You know, there's, there's spring and roller, dog bone, wedge style sprags. Um, we just use mechanical diodes. Ours are a little more money than everybody else's, but we want to produce a quality product. Not, not saying that they're not quality either. We want to promote the premier product. But there, like I said, there's a lot of data on and, and opinions online. This that conversation can go for hours, but it really comes back to the application more than anything. Whether you should run one sprag or spragless. When I, he was talking, Art was talking about you know, the heat that is created and everything. Now I know you guys. I, I was watching again. Uh, you have a uh, y'all got a cooler that you use to help kind of keep transmissions cooler. I think that you know a special application for. Uh, torque converters to try to keep the temperatures down, right? Right. Yeah. So, okay. The here we go again, and this is it's really a lot of opinionated stuff on sprag versus spragless. If you use a spragless application, the proper stator with the proper blades, and make a spragless, you will not have any temperature problems. Uh, if you if you use a diode or a sprag in the wrong application, you will have temperature problems. You can have temperature problems with both. It really comes down to the setup and. If you don't drive a square peg and round hole, you won't have problems. Okay, still staying in the, the temperature range. We got Joe and Jonathan uh, that are asking basically the same question. What's the optimal temperature for drag racing application? And you know, Jonathan's asking, what do you consider a safe, you know, for a street, you know, with a mild built engine as far as mm -hmm. tra transmission temperatures are concerned? So we got one more Street rod versus a racing application. In a race application, I've always tried to go to the start line. You know, I, I try to heat soak everything in my car uh, before I ever go to the start line for any run whatsoever. And Troy and Todd may have a different number that they, they particularly like. Uh, as a typical rule of thumb, I always tried to go to the start line around 170 degrees after any temperature. Once it was heat soaked like that, it would, it would typically hold that number all night and consistency being the thing. Now, in a in a street driven application, you're typically going to see an automatic transmission run within 10 degrees of engine temperature. And there's really not a lot you're going to do about that unless you're in a lockup application, no overall cooler. But if you're within 10 degrees engine app, engine temperature, you're fine. And today's engines, you know, it's not uncommon to see them run 210. Uh, my LS engine in my Camaro runs 200, 210 all the time. I don't even monitor transmission temperature in it, to be honest with you. So Troy, from your vantage point, you know, the things that we're talking about now, are there more common questions you get every day, let's just say, or your salespeople get every day that maybe we haven't touched on uh, that really kind of set FTI apart than anybody else in the business? I mean, you guys, you guys have pretty much hit all the real common questions as far as, uh, you know, temperatures, mm -hmm. um, what does, you know, what does spec temperature wise, uh, we get a lot of questions as far as, you know, a lot of people look at a 3000 stall converter and think it's loose as far as the street market where <clears throat> really that's not a loose converter. And you get a lot of, you get a lot of apprehension wherever you start talking to people about stall speeds that a certain cam profile may need. But, uh, you know, we pretty much go over all that during the conversation, selling the torque converter, try to set them a little more at ease. But uh, I'd say the, the general street enthusiast would think a 3000 or 3200 stall converter is a is on the looser side when really it isn't okay all right i'm gonna ask the question here todd what would you say to the folks out there that are listening right now why should you go with fti as far as torque converters are concerned over somebody else from the competition side I mean, there's other good companies out there and ain't knocking nobody, but I know Greg just, they're, they're spot on. I mean, anything you, you call and got questions for them, they're, they're right there with you. Um, they're, you know, a family business there. So, and, and they're into drag racing, mud racing and everything else. I mean, I, they're just, uh, I don't know, I just, I just call them and, and, and like I said, they got more knowledge, a lot of different areas. Um, I don't know. I just I want to say, but it's just uh, they're just good people. I mean, I, and I, separating them from anybody else, I don't know. 
commercial technology has come a long, long ways, and it gets more more developed every every year. And uh, they stay on top of it, so I can say, and uh, they can deliver perfect product, as far as I'm concerned. I appreciate that. All right. Greg and, and, and Troy, please join on this question. You're out here. I'm just to say I've joined in here, and I'm in a, a transmission. I sell transmissions. I do this. I'm, I'm into a, a distributor side of it. Why, as far as me being a distributor, what can you give me that's going to make you guys better than what I've got right now? What's, what's your sales pitch on why should I go with FTI? Well, customer service being the primary thing that I would emphasize, <clears throat> we truly care about our customers. As far as why, you know, mm -hmm. if we're explaining more so to a to an end consumer, like at the racetrack, is we're there with you. I mean, we're out there racing. It, I might not have a bunch of extra parts for Todd's torque converter on my truck, but he knows if he needs anything that I could potentially have, come over to the trailer, I have it. You know, or, and if not, we're going to help you in any way we can. We're going to call the shop, get it out the door because we understand what it, what it means to not be able to compete in the main event tomorrow or not be able to, to make qualifying or, you know, we're actually racers. We're not, you're not calling into a company that's got people answering the phone, just going, yeah, well, you know, three, four weeks, sorry, can't help you, you know, whatever. Um, it's a, it's a group of, a group of people that truly care about their customers. Um, I have nothing, you know, nothing. There's a lot of companies out there make great products. There always will be. Uh, the thing that, you know, the thing that would separate us most from anybody is the customer service and the true dedication to the sport and to the people that we have. Greg? Yes, sir. Um, I, I, I'm going to follow right there with Troy, you know, our customer service. You know, it's uh, – <laughs> We're going to stay in front of the cutting edge of technology. You can bet on that. If you've seen my office behind me, I got this computer tilted up and you can't see my pile of garbage I got working on it here. You know, I'm always working on dreaming up something else and I'm going to stay in front of them uh, with, with the team that we have and the sales team, the guys we got working in the shop, even with the challenges that we've had over the last year with the pandemic and supply chain issues, which every one of us on the screen have, have felt the effects of we have managed to really stay out in front pretty well with getting products out the door and delivered. Uh, that that's our primary goal. Like I said, uh, you know, if, if you're a, a company that, that, that wants to sell torque converters, you want don't know which brand to deal with. I recommend you sell all brands of them. Our brand's going to sell ourselves. We're going to make sure that we're going to be out in front. We're going to provide the best customer service and the highest quality part. When you pick that phone mm -hmm. up and say, Hey, my, 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 my converter is stalling 3,000, just like we talked about earlier. We're going to say, okay, look, let's help this out here. Go ahead and put this converter in that guy's car where somebody else might go, well, that's the only one we offer. So by offering customer service, that's where we're going to shine. We don't tell people they don't, we don't want them to sell another brand. Sell our brand, sell the other brands, and we will do what we can to make sure that we stay in front. We try to make sure our, our product is proper, properly packaged. Uh, we make sure you get the hardware with it. Try to make sure all hardware goes in the boxes with it so you got holes to bolt it in. Uh, do we fail sometimes? Sure, we do. Uh, we stand behind our product. Where I believe, I believe some other people got on the bandwagon now, but we were the first company to bring it to uh, to light that you can buy a lifetime warranty on any torque converter we make. Any, on about a fifty dollar torque converter to a four thousand dollar torque converter, you can buy a lifetime warranty on it, and that's been a big hit. You know, it, when you give the consumer the kind of confidence that we have in our product, that they can have that same confidence in it. If we're willing to give a lifetime warranty on it, well, they may be going, it must be a pretty good product. That helps sell itself as well. Yeah, it sounds like it does. Well, guys, we're still getting some of the same questions along the same line. Um, Jim, I mean, John Erzbach, he uh, wants to know, what's the recommended number of runs in a drag racing situation before you pull a converter out and transmission for service purposes? Here we go again. It goes back to the application. You take stuff like like Todd's there, you know, where, where you're spinning this thing over 9,000 RPM uh, and going 250 mile an hour, or you got an application like Troy's, you know, where we're turning it 7,200 RPM and going, you know, uh, 200 mile an hour. It's a big difference. So power level, weight of the car is going to change that. Uh, in a bracket application, I would say, and Troy probably backed me up on this, pull it, pull it once a year and send it in and have it freshened up, go through the convert and transmission. An application like Todd's, I don't think his converter stays in there more than six, eight runs 
we're going to pull it apart. We're going to check it. You know, we're going to change bearings. We might even make a little small change in it, depending on the track, the track conditions, temperature, barometric pressure, humidity, so forth. So the, the more power you make, the more often you need to service them. Uh, the general rule of thumb, guys, and the, the top sportsman stuff, if you're putting rods in that motor every 70 runs, pull the transmission out. Uh, and while we're on this conversation, let's talk about the input shaft. You know, a lot of people buy a transmission, expect the input shaft to last them the life of the car. People, the input shaft is a connecting rod. Put you a season on it, pull it out, heave it in a trash can. I don't care if it's twisted, not twisted, throw it away. It's a cheap insurance policy. You're not going to rerun those lifters. You're not going to rerun those rods. Heave that input shaft in the trash can. Nothing is harder on an engine than breaking an, in, an input shaft at full throttle and high side in the motor. So, I mean, that, that should kind of sum up the questions of, of your time, of time frame to pull them out and take a look at them. Okay. Okay. And Jonathan Hardy, he wanted to know about, you know, should I consider deleting the cooler from the radiator? You know, the transmission part going to the radiator and replace it with an external. I assume it's a street application. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, any, I'm assuming it is too. Yes, sir. Anytime uh, you can reduce temperature in a street-driven vehicle, heat is your number one killer in an automatic transmission in a street-driven vehicle. So the answer is yes. And I saw some else come through there a minute ago. How do you keep the training cool between rounds? Let's go ahead and hit that one too. Uh, many companies, including myself, make what's called a pump round system where you can actually evacuate fluid in and out of the transmission. You run it through a cooler and put it back in. In a, in a turbo application or something like that, that you're creating immense transmission temperature, that's a, a necessity. If you have a, a car like Troy's or one of our bracket dragsters or a top dragster, you know, that's that's uh, runs six, 10 to seven flat somewhere in there. Typically a good external cooler. And as long as you're getting airflow across them, you can maintain your temperature, no problem. That's why I like to start at a higher temperature than those people. Some people go to start line 130 degrees. Well, when you get on the round robin late rounds, you know, and there's not eight hours between rounds, you ain't gonna keep that training 130 degrees. So do your heat soak early in the day and just make sure you maintain that temperature in that application to keep it the same. Okay. And Chris, I mean, Otis Bailey would like to know, a lot of racers are going to lock up converters. Do you have a specific speed ratio that you would recommend for engaging lockup? No, that's gonna, engaging lockup is gonna go down to the application, the car, the track, the conditions. Todd's probably very versed with that more than I am. Uh, a lot of people are going to the lockup converters. I'm, am I a fan of the lockup converter? You know, it's a torque converter. In my opinion, it's a uh, it's kind of a Band-Aid for a converter that won't couple up. You know, I've, I've spent years and thousands of dollars in making a converter go one-to-one -one without a clutch in it. The difference with a lockup converter is you can tell it when you want it to go one-to-one. -one. Whereas mine, you know, it's going to get one to one. We'll, we'll even show overdrive. A lot of people say it's impossible, but it is possible. And I can prove it's possible. Uh, but a lockup is you can command it on. Uh, and here we go. It's all application driven. It's it's the car that, that needs it is whether or not he's going to have it. All right. Well, so you guys have, have been wonderful. And I want you to start thinking about, we're getting here with about, about 10 minutes to go in this session. Uh, if there's anything else you want to share with us. But one of the questions I got to have for you, uh, Greg, is again, watching a lot of your YouTube clips and you were showing particular one, you were standing there on your transmission dyno and talking about how you guys dyno, uh, everything goes out the door. It doesn't go out unless we know it's working perfectly in our shop, correct? Yes, sir. We, we built that dyno. Go ahead. No, I go ahead. I want you, I got we, another follow-up. Go ahead. We, we built that dyno. Uh, that's a home-built dyno that we built. Uh, and we've upgraded it over the years. We check every transmission that goes out of here, goes on that dyno. So when we ship you a Turbo 400 and you call me and say, hey, it doesn't have second gear, well, you better go look in the box because it was in, it, second gear was anyway to the left. So we, we did that to try to eliminate issues you know as a transmission builder there's a lot of moving parts inside a transmission transmissions make metal transmissions break transmissions fall in half transmissions leak they fall out of the car it's all part of the, the problem it, and anybody tells you they build a transmission that don't break is a liar i've built them that broke i've built them that didn't even leave the didn't even get off the dyno 
But that's mm -hmm. why you have it. You're going to try to catch these problems before they leave. You want to check the fluid flow, how much fluid's flowing through the converter, how much converter charge pressure, how much main line pressure, how much pressure each gear. Does the, does the trans brake creep when you set the trans brake? Does it back out of the beam? These are all things that we check on the dyno to make sure that when you get your transmission and you put it in the car, if you'll take the time and look at the videos that we've made about how to adjust your shifter and how to get the fluid level proper in the transmission, how to get the proper spacing between the torque converter and the flex plate, that you'll have a great experience with this transmission. You're going to put it in a car and you're going to get a very long service life out of it. And that's part of the reason of the dyno. The other thing with the dyno is I get to go test on it. I'll go, hey, I wonder what this will do. I'll go put it on the dyno. Uh, when we were testing some of the reverse stuff, we had to tie a string to the throttle. We were turning them 7,000 RPM in reverse times multiply the planetary, trying to explode a drum and a transmission at 14,000 RPMs. So it's a tool. So, uh, my my follow-up question would be, and again, you know, I've been working in, in NASCAR for all, many, many years, and I've been in the uh, dyno room doing things. I've been outside the dyno room when things went wrong. You're standing there working with that transmission. Have you ever had one of some? I know you said it has, but what's one of your stories that when you had a transmission failure when you've been working on it? What's that like? Uh, I, you know, safety is a big concern of mine, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm a safety freak. Um, so the, our our engine has a, a ballistic diaper on it, and then we also have safety precautions all over our dyno to do this uh, to make sure that nobody gets hurt. I don't think I've actually. Uh, yeah, I've, I've broken some on the dyno, but I mean, really the, the, the worst thing that's ever happened on dyno is you, you get that thing about 500 pounds of line pressure and it blows the line off the back of the gauge and <laughs> soaks you to seal it and half the shot with, with transmission oil and you go home, take a shower and don dishwash the liquid. That's about the worst thing that's happened. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty interesting right there in itself. I was just sitting there watching you run that thing on the dyno and it was like I say, the same episode you were talking about the outside external cooler and how it worked and everything and how you were going through uh, explaining that. But again, I find it fascinating to make sure that everybody understands that nothing gets built and assumed that it's correct unless it goes across that dyno before it goes out the door. Uh, it sure. was working when it left here type scenario. It's just trying to what, eliminate uh, problems. Back to that customer service thing. Yeah. Yeah, making everything perfect. I mean, that's what, what it's all about. I mean, Todd's a testament to that. He got a lot of stuff right this year on his operation as a whole, but one of the key elements had to be, you know, FTI, and that they were able to give him, you know, service that he needed and performance that he, you know, could depend on. Otherwise, he wouldn't be walking around now, walking around an NHRA champion like he is. And, again, I want to say congratulations for that right there because that's not uh, that's not given. That's That's earned. So congratulations again to Todd. The uh, last question we got here, I think is kind of interesting. What information data would be most beneficial to give you guys when we're making a converter change? Using data logging with sensors give you a better feedback for making the right decision. Is that is that good information right there, Troy and Greg? Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything. The more information you have, the better decision you can make. Um, we can actually pick a torque converter with minimum information, but the more information you give us, the better job we can do. So yeah, if you have a data log with a lot of, you know, a lot of sensor information that we should be able to get it absolutely perfect. I mean, if you have nothing short of just your cam specs and, and bore and roundabout horsepower, we'll, we'll get close. And that's why we offer a one year free restall with every converter that we sell. That way we make sure that the customer is ultimately happy with our product. Okay, um, I know we're gonna probably, again, I'm naive. I think I've proven that right now. I know the difference between spring and spray. But at the same time, Todd, when you're out there at the track and you're working on everything, how much do you tune on your converter during the course of a weekend? A whole lot. I mean, like I said, the data acquisition we, we use and stuff, it tells us or gives us an idea of where we wanna be. And then we can make mm -hmm. a change in the torque converter and go back and look at it and um, figure out what we're going to do for the next run. Uh, for servicing it and stuff, I'm a, we service it after every race. But more than likely, during a race, we will go in and change the stall speed of the converter or flash point or anything. So 
it's, it's uh, like I said, it's very easy to work on. You unbolt it, just change a few parts around or a few shims around and uh, uh, very, very serviceable. Now here again, is this something that you do not, not knowing all the ins and outs, but as a general rule, are you using data? Are you using feel to get what you need out of your torque converter? Data. We look at the data and the, the ET, how fast the thing's going to run, and if it picks up in a certain area. Mm -hmm. And like I said, our, our ET is early in the track, and then the speed is, is basically power on top end. And the, like you said, the fish itself converter lets it run the big speed out the back. So uh, just like I said, we just, we just change the stator or move the stator around in the converter and sometimes different pump in it even with a converter. Uh, it's very, very tunable. It's, it's, and like I said, we've got plenty of information on different runs and stuff and uh, the data, data from the race pack and stuff tells us a lot of things, but you just still got to interpret it and, and to make the right decision. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, interpreting. Is this where Greg comes into play? And Greg, how do you, if you're not at the track with them, you're back in the shop, home, whatever, and somebody calls you up and they, they're at a situation that they need some input, do you have simulation or do you have, if they give you the data, is it just something you know when you're trying to help them solve a problem? Well, with the, the beauty of today's world is you're connected. Everybody's connected via cell phone. So... I can typically read anybody's data from almost any data platform, right from my cell phone. If they're at the racetrack and they're having an issue or they have a question and they can run me down, then we look at their data on the, the data is hard data, it's facts. So you take those facts and then you take your database that you know and say, okay, this is what we need to do this. But also understand, for every action, there's a reaction. I'm sure Todd and Troy both will back me on that. It's just because you're going to try to fix this one thing, you could create another. That, that doesn't mean, you know, that you can grab me at Sunday night at 10 o'clock and say, hey, you know, we got to change this. You know, I do everything I can to, to make sure I help everybody. But you can send data. You can look at it. You can analyze it. And then through communication, you can make a, a, an assessment of what, what you need to do. And it, sometimes it's not even a converter. You may need to make a, a power management decision. Uh, a tire pressure decision, a four-link adjustment, uh, no different than what you deal with with the round track stuff. Not always is it just in the engine or just in a, in a, a wedge bolt. You know, you might have to change air pressure in a tire, put some stagger in it, whatever. Yeah, because I mean, again, what you're what you're alluding to is, let's face it. I mean, you're trying to make what's under the hood hook up to whatever surface it is, whether yep. it's a round yep. track, yep. like you're saying, is grip, is making everything grip. And between the, the the powertrain to the tires, I mean that's that's what makes us all you know, I, that's the name of it, speed. How do you how do you get from point A to point B? I, you know, all we heard basically there was how do you get from point A to point B? You were on you were right off, off the grid there for a minute. I'll tell you right now, when I get done, I'm gonna have something else done. I'm gonna get me a hammer and break something. You ever wanted to do that when something doesn't work the way you want it to work? <laughs> uh, you can ask Troy. I don't think I've. I've ever thrown anything across the shop ever <laughs> unbelievable i think it's in the dna uh, of the racer to a certain degree would you agree todd that sometimes you push you push you push and all of a sudden you know you can't get it over that that hill that hump and the next thing you want to do you want to throw your hands up and you want to break something <laughs> exactly right i mean everybody gets in that situation and this this frustration i want to go back to where we was talking about uh uh Sometimes you learn from mistakes too. You, sometimes you make a mistake doing something and you'll learn from it. Same with the torque converter. If you go and mess with it, that's the only way you're going to figure anything out is make a move. If you just run the same torque converter week in and week out without doing any adjustment, you won't ever learn anything. You just got to move it around and find your sweet spot. That's the biggest thing. I'm glad you said something about sweet spot because I found out today that where I'm at currently is not a sweet spot when it comes to having DSL line and so and and like it needs to be. And I apologize once again, gentlemen, for the the interruptions during the course of this. This has been in, uh, very educational and informative for me. And I think we got uh, some of our folks that have watching and following us along. I think they got some questions answered. We've got some real nice uh, comments and everything along with it. So really appreciate your time. 
Uh, I'm glad that you, again, right now my internet's popping up saying, hey, you're unstable. Can you believe that? It's not my internet. I think it's just me. I'm unstable. So again, folks, please, if you need to know anything, you know, you can go to FTI's uh, website, but also go to your part trade and get the, the information you need for your company or for your personal need. Uh, I guarantee a great company here. And again, I'm proud to be a part of it, but I do apologize for the interruptions today. And Francois, with that being said, if I go blank, go black or whatever, don't worry about it. We're done. Good. But thank, thank you, gentlemen. What a great session. And uh, as Jeff mentioned, we pushed the FTI's product back on the homepage of ePortrait. So ePortrait.com, click on it, click on their products from there. Within one click, you can connect with uh, Greg and, and Troy uh, directly at FTI. And, uh, and again, Todd, thank you for being their uh, guest. Uh, wishing you all the best for the upcoming season. I'm a big uh, drag racer fan. Uh, I've you know discovered drag racing here in the US about 20 years ago. So uh, and uh, and so I never miss Pomona for sure, which is down the street from us. And uh, so thank you very much, gentlemen. And uh, Judy, any anything you want to add? No, I just think this was a wonderful webinar. Great questions, and um, I'm proud of Paul Lee. I've known Paul Lee for about 22 years, and see what he's done with McLeod and now um, acquiring FTI. I think you guys are a perfect blend. Absolutely. Well, th thank you, everyone. And then next week, we'll be talking about technology and uh, driver safety with an upcoming company called HRX. So we'll see you next week at uh, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific. And again, thank you very much. The recording of the webinar will be uh, available within the next few hours on ePortrait.com on YouTube. We'll send you a little link. And again, thank you very much and wishing you a great week and all the best for the upcoming season. Well, thank you guys for having us. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thank you. Well, certainly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.